This is episode twenty-five with Nadine Artemis on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Did you know that the average woman uses 12 products per day containing over 168 ingredients, absorbing close to 4.5 pounds of toxic chemicals a year? A man goes through 6 products with 85 ingredients, a child is exposed to 5 products with 61 ingredients, whilst a teenage girl is exposed to a whopping 17 products with over 230 ingredients every single day, most of which, by the way, are untested, unsafe, and scientifically and clinically unproven. That's why it's important that we pay close attention to what we put on our bodies just as much as what we put in our bodies because, well, not all products are created equally. Enter today's guest, Nadine Artemis. Nadine and her husband Rob run Living Libations, which is one of the premier natural body care companies on the market. Nadine's cosmetic creations exceed the recommendations for the FDA's good manufacturing practices, use clear legitimate labeling, offer the highest quality oils and natural ingredients, are globally responsible, and never tested on animals. In today's episode, you'll learn how Nadine created living libations in a tiny kitchen while in university, why you should immediately throw away your crystal salt deodorant and never, ever use it again, how Nadine suggests we take care of our teeth and gums using holistic dental practices, and much, much more. Nadine's biography begins when she first combines flasks of essential oils to recreate Nini Ritchie's Lierre du Temps for a school science fair. These botanical inclinations led her on a pedal path adventure in creating organic beauty balms, reviving elixirs, healing oral care, and perfumed poetry to quench the natural yearnings of many. Nadine opened North America's first concept aromatherapy store, Osmosis, in 1994, and since that day, Nadine has since received glowing reviews from her formulations in The Hollywood Reporter, Flair, The New York Times, Vogue, and The National Post. Nadine has also addressed gatherings at conferences, appeared on television, and radio shows. Nadine, welcome and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Ancestral Health Radio. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited for you to be on here. Um, again, as, as I mentioned, I think this episode is going to be really fun because other than food and finding food sovereignty in our lives, something that a lot, you know, a topic that Daniel and I like to talk about a lot. I feel like body care is one of those realms where many people, they kind of dip their toe in and they're like, oh, maybe I'll experiment with this. And then as they gradually uh, continue to convert, I guess you could say, so does their diet. You know, I notice that they're, they're more conscious about their diet, more conscious about their surroundings and more conscious about not only what's going into their body, but what's going on to their body. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, for sure. We do, as we start to think about what we're eating, then we start thinking about what we're putting on in and around our bodies. And that's actually, you know, even what happened with my own personal transition. When I was 18, first it came through food, 
Mm-hmm. And I just, luckily at university, I was uh, living on my own and said, instead of in residence, I feel like, you know, there's a lot more that you can learn and explore that way. Mm. And I, I also lived on a little street with um, a health food store. It was a barely transformed house. Oh, nice. That was called, it was called grains and beans and things. And oh, eventually, you know, I, I would go there every day after school and I bought like every book and bean in there. And then that opened me up to going to the farmer's market by the university. And um, I had even um, on one of the mornings I wasn't at school, I had uh, flipped on the TV uh, back when I used to watch the TV and Phil yeah. Donahue was on and he was talking about Diet for New America with Lisa Bonet and Raul Julia and um, that was the first, because this, this is back in the 80s, where I was, you know, I just was like, wh- I just didn't know about the connection about food and the environment and health, you know, that it took like so many gallons of water to factory farm a cow and, oh you know, gosh, and the yeah. pesticides. And so th- it was amazing to just really get all that in one fell swoop. And then I, I, because I was buying every book at the health food store, I also, um, cause you know, I'd already had a relation. I already understood that I was going to be with my body for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I was really interested in that. And, you know, just as a teen, you have, I think you might have visits or back then we did and you're at the doctor and you're just like, they just don't seem to know much. Doctors, <laughs> no. you know? like, I always like to tell people like, that oh. they practice medicine, <laughs> you know, that's their job. They practice medicine. So, uh, and just having like, you know, very mild things, but like they're, they don't have answers. And so I was just, it was a fascinating realm for me. And I also was doing my degree in philosophy and women's studies. So also at that time I was doing, um, I was interviewing midwives for essays. Uh, oh, you nice. know, we had one of our textbooks was our bodies ourselves. So we got to see the horrors of like IUD birth control, like, you know, the business of being born that there are dioxins and tampons. And it was just so amazing that we were learning all this at, you know, quote unquote, uh, Institute of higher learning yeah but it was i was that's when i was finally fascinated by education you know before that in high school and school it's just like you know what do i have to do to just not get in trouble that's that was (laughs) pretty much my mo too yeah for sure so having like you know and then reading books i was reading books by naturopaths and stuff so just seeing like all these common ailments that you hear about had all these other solutions going through diet reading books about um uh, like I forget what it's called, but it was, you know, take a, there was something about all it just took you through it was by Nikki and Dave Goldbook and it goes back and they took you through every label of food in the supermarket. And, and it was just oh, amazing. Wow. I'm sure that was eye opening. Yeah. Cause you're like all brand, which back then you, you thought was the healthier cereal or like my mom wouldn't let us eat any junk food cereal, mm-hmm. but we could have like shredded shreddies and shredded wheat, but we just couldn't have fruit loops. The but then when you really get into the ingredients, you're like, Oh my God, it's the same pile of BS. Yeah, exactly. So all, all of this, you know, obviously it took a while, but the real transition to organic food and then like making my own skincare really only took about a month or so. Cause I had already had an interest in you know, there was so many moments in, in being a teenager and even in grade nine when I did a science fair project with essential oils. So there was, and I love oh, just okay. mixing things together. So there was already all this dabbling. And, you know, I mean, it was the 80s again, too. So we were at the pinnacle of consumer culture. Right. And there was, you know, it was just like a feast. And then, you know, then you start realizing very early in the 90s, you know, 
there was way more awareness about food and environment, all those kind of stuff. And, you know, in the eighties, we thought the body shop was exciting, but then through understanding labels through food, I just realized that was also a whole pile of BS and that, you know, like most food, it's only made by a handful of manufacturers, same with the cosmetics industry. Exactly. So it was from that moment on that I never ate processed food again. I ate organic and I never used processed body care again. Wow. And how, and just estimating how many years ago was that? That was about, I was 18. So it was about over 20, about 20 Congratulations. Years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, I once heard a quote um, and it was, uh, and I forget exactly who it was by, so I'm going to murder this, but it was a gentleman <laughs> who said that he hadn't eaten birthday cake in 60 years. You know, oh, and I actually sure. think that might have been Jack LaLanne now that I think about it. He said, you yeah. know what? Every day on my birthday, I just give away my birthday cake. I haven't eaten a slice of cake in over 60 years. Oh, so, yeah. I, so I haven't impressive. eaten a slice of cake in maybe 30 or 35 yeah. years because I didn't like it as a kid either. Right. Just too sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. I, that pop and hot dogs, I was really not into. Oh, well, then you're fortunate. And I'm glad that you grew <laughs> up with at least a little bit of dabbling because for me, my personal story, you know, I had to get to that terrible place first and then turn my life around. And then really, just like you, the education system, it didn't necessarily fail me. I think I failed it, but it just, you know, it didn't quite suit my personality. And then yeah. as soon as I hit health and I started learning more about myself and my body, I said, there couldn't be anything more fascinating. <laughs> you know, there could, yeah, there for couldn't sure. be anything and I bet more you, exciting. Then you saw a real learning part of yourself Absolutely. where you love to learn. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too about self-directed learning, which you don't necessarily have the option for in school. So even with university, and even though there's still kind of restrictions, like you have to, you know, show up and do something. Um, I just was like amazed at the things I could write. I did my thesis on the female orgasm. I was writing papers on Madonna. It was fun. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> so, so that's great. So with your body care, how did that take off? And exactly what did that look like? So I started like, yeah, so while I was at university and doing all that learning, I was also then also learning on my own. And I was I, cause I did have moments with essential oils, like in grade nine mm -hmm. and, and I was, I had learned how to, that perfumes came from, you know, real plant matter. And up until it was all up until the 19th century, I didn't quite get the, the differentiation between natural and synthetic back then, but mm -hmm. I, I had had my first hits of oil when I was in grade nine. And so when I, you know, at 18, and then I'm just really realizing that it's all BS. So then I start gathering again, like every book I could find on the subject from yeah. cosmetics to essential oils. And I was really thrilled by a lot of the 18th century books because that were being that were written in Europe. So that so in the 18th century, they were kind of culminating everything they could from, um, you know, the Egyptians and the Greeks, because they had a kind of a highly a refined, yeah, of cosmetic and cosmetic Absolutely. use and bathing, as well as, as, as other cultures. So there was a couple of key books, too, that just went through everything that they were making in the 18th century from scented handkerchiefs to pomades to oh, perfumes. Wow. Do you remember yeah. any of the titles of those books by chance? I do, because I just wrote a book. And I just... Uh, 
wrote, put, put all that in there. Oh, um, well, then we're so definitely going to have to talk about that too. Yeah. Towards, towards I'll, I'll, I'll look, yeah, I'll look it up as, as I'm talking to you. So I was researching everything and I wanted to smell everything. So of course I'm reading about things that I can't find on the store shelves, like Angelica root, immortal, mm. um, just some more exotic ones. And so, um, the great thing too about research, I mean, university is it really gets your research game on, especially pre-internet. You really got to understand how you find things. And so I was writing letters to companies and distillers and consulates in other countries. And I was just like every land, I was just trying to turn over the rocks and find Mm -hmm. the distillers. So that's when I started to gather all the beautiful distillers that I work with today. And I was looking for artisanally distilled organic distillations, things that were more hydro distilled at lower temperatures. Oh, right. So the most pristine that you could possibly find, right? Because if you're doing it any other way, I mean, there's going to be impurities. There's going to be not as high of quality products, right? Yeah, but I didn't quite even get that even as I'm searching. What I did start getting it was when I started smelling regular oils that I was getting samples of against the regular oils I was getting in the store. So, so it wasn't the, like the exotic ones, like the Angelica and the Immortal, because those were so rare back then that generally you're only going to get a real one from the top Um, people. Yeah. And so it was when I was getting things like bergamot, tea tree, peppermint, Mm, jojoba um, and things like that. They were like so different. And then I read Henri, what is his name with a V? Uh, That's okay. Think. You can get back yeah. to me later and I'll but throw it in the show the notes for people. Really write about the differentiation and the qualities and really map out how, yeah, there's a lot of essential oil production, but it's for the food and flavor and fragrance industries. Mm-hmm. And then he was writing about, you know, the real things to look for on a scientific level. So then that led me down, like really understanding the chemical constituents of the oils. Cause like one drop of oil can have over like, you know, 300, components wow yeah or more usually more it's just that we haven't quite made equipment to read everything yet oh okay i was gonna say i'm very unfamiliar with essential oils i I mean i use essential oils but very sparingly Mm -hmm. and um you know i just have a lot to learn so yeah please enlighten me yeah so each one like either there's the chemical the natural chemical makeup of each oil is just mind-blowing and it's that harmony of all of the parts that make them so amazing and how they cannot be reproduced in a lab, even though there will be smells to, you know, it's not like you have to be highly trained to notice the difference at all. You just have to kind of be awake enough to smell and to notice you're like, you know what I mean? It's not right. like a big skill. Yeah. It doesn't, I you don't have, have to be a nose quote unquote, right? No. And they often are trained in knowing all the variations with synthetics, but also lucky for, luckily for me, or maybe everybody has it, but my um, pineal gland or the area above my nose, which is right above the olfactory bulb, it would go off, like, oh, wow. so to speak, if it was fake. And then it's like, I almost, I can't, I can't hardly even smell something that's not real because it's just so annoying to that part of my forehead. Yeah. It was funny. So because, I, it was, oh, sorry. Go oh, on. No, no. You know what? I was just, uh, it, it just, that brought to mind. I used to work in a health food store and back in the day when I was just getting started, this is when I, you know, I was just learning about natural body care, natural health, natural foods, whole foods. And there was a woman that would always come in and I, you know, I had a collection of colognes and I would spray cologne. And I would use it every day just as a typical male would. And yeah. 
you know, I'd go to work in my health food store and there would be a specific woman and she had a very sensitive nose and she could not even walk by me. She was a regular yeah. customer, could not even walk by me with the synthetic perfume on, which was crazy because I never quite understood. I, I was like, you know, thinking, oh, she, you know, maybe she, I don't know. I didn't really understand it at that time. But yeah. now that I'm getting into it, now even myself, my senses have heightened because I no longer use those and my coworkers now. <laughs> yeah. I find myself with my coworkers like, well, take a couple steps back. You're pretty, you smell pretty strong. And I'm not talking about BO here. So, um, you know, it, that just brought some memories to me. And that's, it, you know, it's for people out there, you know, also understand that there are people who are highly sensitive to those. So um, if you are still using synthetic fragrances, um, I hope this episode <laughs> helps you a little bit more. So, so, so where did you go with that then? Yeah. So then I just, so I was importing, I was getting really beautiful, um, oils I was just like blowing my mind and like not found anywhere and then I was getting ones in that weren't even in the books like Baronia, Manuka, Rosalina, Fragonia like all these all these ones so um and then I was making things so I you know I I had the, I was renting this little cottage in a backyard I fitted the kitchen with you know all the things I needed the equipment I needed and mm -hmm. I started making you know, from lip balm to perfumes to body oils, um, product, like I made one called waitress legs because I had a lot of friends that were waitressing and okay. talk with their spider veins. And that was like pretty, I mean, for, it was micro small, but it was pretty successful and everything was really well loved. Um, which was always, you know, when you're first starting out, it's always like, Oh wow, you like it. Um, yeah, no, cause you never know, uh, absolutely. Never especially know. in something totally so niche as what you and I do when you get somebody who's genuinely appreciative. Wow. My, my gift, you know, what I put out there really, really had an impact. So I, I feel you cause that's what the podcast is doing for me now. My friends always thought I was a little weird hippie health food, you know, foodie guy that, you know, just always spoke about holistic nutrition, but they never really understood it or gave it much thought until the podcast came up. So it's, it's cool. funny how that turns. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I know how the power of small business can definitely turn your life around and make a huge impact in the lives of others. So, and I haven't had a chance to really experiment with your, your oils or your fragrances or anything like that. But one of the things I, two of the things actually that I've taken away from you is, um, oral hygiene, how, how mm -hmm. I take care of my gums and my teeth. That's, that was actually a very huge one for me. And then also along with my body care routine, I, you know, I don't use much soap or anything like that, but for deodorant, I now use just a little hint of sandalwood <laughs> with, with, with my, yeah, with my, um, with my, I, I don't know if you would correct me on this or not, but I do like a, um, a diluted vinegar spray and I just kind of spray under my arms real quick and then use a salt, you know, one of the salt rocks and then a little bit of the essential oil of sandalwood. What do you, what do you think about that? Is that a, is that a good thing to do? It's almost good. Um, you can, uh, so the vinegar is great. You could also add a bit of salt to that. Oh, okay. And the salt rock deodorants have aluminum in them, a type of but aluminum. See, and that was yeah. something that I wanted to discuss with you too, because that was always a confusion with me. Like we wanted to get away from aluminum. Why yeah. would we be putting the aluminum in a different form on our bodies? And I've heard conflicting stories. Is there any way you can set that straight for the audience? Um, I, I could, I mean, it just does have a type of aluminum in it. I would have to, I have to just check up the type. I don't have it on the top of my head, but it is, it's just, it may not be the same type that's in, um, your dial in regular antiperspirants and whatnot. 
Yeah, but it's in there. Okay. Um, well, then you yeah, know what? So it, Starting it's today, a, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it away. I'm not even gonna think twice about it. Yeah, you can even use um, um, baking soda too. A dusting of that. You know what? I the, started the crystal to tuberans, use... They have. They're made from alum. A l u m. Yes. And um, so, generally, the type used in cosmetics industry is the potassium aluminum sulfate. Mm-hmm. But it's all forms of aluminum. Okay. Okay. Just so the audience knows, you want to avoid all forms of heavy metals or aluminum in any type of body oh, care yeah. products. So, okay. I just, you know, I, I, you know, it's, there's just such an overabundance of information out there today. It's hard to know who to trust or believe. So again, this is just a very uh, unique and exciting opportunity for me to really get to learn from somebody I know that has really spent their life dedicated to this. So again, thank you. Yeah. And I I think that's good for people to know because I've gone back and forth between that. So, all right. So uh, if you have one there, you could even read out the ingredients. Yeah. You know what? Hold on. There's only one ingredient and it's just, it is just potassium alum. Yep. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, for those of you um, listening, you always see those little crystal rocks um, for deodorant in natural health food stores. So you heard it from us here that um, you may not want to be purchasing those. And if you have one, perhaps you might want to find an alternate use for it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know what? You wrote a book. Also, I mentioned dental care. You wrote a book on holistic dentistry, correct? Correct. Yeah. Holistic dental care, the complete guide to healthy teeth and gums. Yeah. And that was an eye opener for me. The only um, actual, the only thing I don't have or that I don't do consistently as far as the routine that you shared with me that I hope that you would share with the audience too is the, uh, I believe it was the coconut oil and activated charcoal oil pulling at the end. That's the only thing I I just forget to do all the time because I don't have it prepared, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and really, you can just do oil in the end, and you know what I mean. So you don't yeah. have to pre-prepare it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just do a little bit of coconut oil if you want. You could do, you know, just like how traditional Ayurvedic practices use a little bit of sesame with that as well, too. And essentially, mm-hmm. for people who are listening, all you're doing is you're pre-digesting that fat, and that fat is pulling a lot of the toxins out of the mouth. Am I correct by saying? That? Yes. Yeah, and then you make sure you spit that out. You don't swallow that. Right, and then you can use uh, the oil too. To you can add new, like good things to that, like essential oils or activated charcoal. Yeah, do, do um, you want to talk about that for a second? What so there's a, a typical routine most people do, you know, as far as brushing their teeth, they'll have a Sonicare toothbrush and zzz, zzz, you know, two minutes done out the door. What would you have them do differently if if they were to take, as you say, a more holistic approach? Yeah, if you just take a couple minutes, and this is like, you know, it's not necessarily something you have to do twice a day, every single day, but it's certainly a good foundation. And if you really need to, I think of it as like pulling up your socks with oral care, there's like, you really need to like turn something around, or you've got (laughs) an upcoming dental appointment in three months, Mm. you definitely want to be doing this twice a day. And for the for a few minutes, Um, probably take you about four or five minutes. Um, So first you want to rinse the mouth and you can do that with baking soda and water or sea salt and water. Sea salt is my favorite. Yeah, you can pre-make it 
ahead of time, put it in a mason jar in your bathroom counter, and then just have a shot glass. To that, you can also add some essential oils like peppermint, just like a couple drops. And um, I make tooth serums. So we always say like, you know, you can take one drop of those combined serums and add that into the into the mouth rinse. So then you're just rinsing your mouth. Your The baking soda or sea salt is creating an alkaline environment, washing away the surface stuff of the of the day. And then if you've eaten any acidic foods or that kind of thing, it just clears the palate. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to use a manual toothbrush. I like the ionic toothbrush because the action of the ionic, um, the negative ions actually lifts and pulls plaque away from the teeth. So it does about 40% of the work. And to that, you're adding a, a drop of a, of a tooth serum. And you're really thinking in this about you're really kind of brushing and massaging the gums. You're not totally thinking about the teeth yet. And it's very important that you go in one direction, which is from the gum down to the tooth. If it's the top and if it's the bottom, it's gum up to the teeth. That was a and huge go- part for yeah, me right there. Yeah, it's a huge. And that reason for that is like to avoid, you really want to avoid receding gums at all costs. And um, most people are pressing too hard anyway. If your toothbrush gets splayed bristles mm. after a few months or even after six months, it should never ever have, even after, it, you should change your toothbrush more than a year, but let's say you have the same one for a year. Right. The breast, the bristles should be still as upright as ever. Mm-hmm. And for that, I like using a toothbrush with very soft bristles. Yes. Very, very soft. And there's one that I soft use. I know that it's, no- yeah, I know normal. that it's not, um, you know, made out of bamboo and, you know, boar's hair and whatnot, but it's a perio yeah. uh, dental toothbrush that I buy off of Amazon for people who are interested, you know, just to try it out. But um, there are other options that you can buy, but something real soft. And I just brush down and it's not a long time. It's just kind of like preconditioning my gums. Yeah. And you're stimulating them. It's kind of like, you know, how we dry brush the body. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when you get the essential oils there, which I think of as botanical biotics, Mm. because an antibiotic is something that anti and biotic means life. So it's anti-life and it kind of kills everything in its path. And now that we have a greater understanding of the microbiome, we now know in a serious way about things like antibiotic resistance and that we've been basically carpet bombing our biome and we need not to be doing that on any level. Yeah, so there are like antibiotic wa- mouthwashes or hardcore alcoholic mouthwashes, um, which statistics show they're responsible for oral cancer. So all those things are depleting and mutating and making microbes missing in the oral ecology. And we now know that we really need about 80% um, beneficial bacteria in our mouths. Generally in our body, we mm-hmm. always want to have more beneficial bacteria than pathogenic and because the back beneficial bacteria keep the pathogens in line so to speak yeah and you know this whole germ warfare thing is over because oh it's nutty yeah i think yeah. everybody knows at this point that wow um if i am more organisms that are not technically me well then maybe i want to take care of these little critters you know yes and especially if um our happiness or our mood, you know, recently that has been linked directly to our stomach, to our, to our gut is, mm-hmm. you know, 90% of the serotonin is actually transferred from your stomach to your brain, not the other way around. So it mm-hmm. might be a good thing. And it's definitely something that I, I, uh, 
I take very, very, very good care of is, is my stomach and my gut bacteria. And yes. with, with your help and your knowledge, I'm learning more and more how to take care of the bacteria and the, um, the friendly critters on my skin as well, too. Yeah, the skin and the mouth are huge areas. And for women, too, the vaginal macro microbiome is, is a huge area to care for. Mm-hmm. Or we don't, like, I mean, on one level, we don't have to care for any of these areas. We just have to get out of the way. There we stop, go. Yeah, absolutely. What we, I have a, a thing that you can apply to most areas, and it's called stop, seal, and seed. Mm-hmm. So in oral care, for example, we need to stop using, uh, you know, toothpaste with triclosan, with sodium oral sulfate and alcohol. And we need to stop, you know, eating meals with glyphosates, that kind of stuff. So we need to stop. And then we need to seal. So we need to seal. So uh, if you've got bleeding gums, I think of that like uh, leaky gums. Mm. And, you know, cavities are like leaky teeth because they are the dentineal flow that nurtures every tooth is reversed when we're eating too much sugar or under or some sickness illnesses or hormonal imbalances so then that's the how a ca- cavity is started through this reversal of the the dentineal lymph fluid that dentineal is goes into each tooth into each tooth fluid. okay yeah all the few things the dentineal lymph fluid the d the dentineal transport fluid. Um, so it's got a few names yeah. and that is very key for everybody to understand like how their teeth main, how you can maintain teeth, uh, sorry, strong teeth throughout your lifetime. So the, the dentineal fluid is like, our teeth are like trees. There's a root system. It draws up the dentineal fluid into the pulp chamber into the dentin and then the odontoblasts, which, which form new bone cells. They, they like kind of like pumping action. They take that fluid up through the layers of the tooth and out onto the enamel. And that liquid is like a tiny microscopic sweat (sighs) that coalesces with our saliva. And if there is, um, you know, an, an area like a a wound, a cavity starting Mm -hmm. with a tooth, it will send more nutrients there, just like a tree no dealing way. with it sends more sap to that area. Yeah. And so that is like a healthy system. And then if we're eating too high sugar, we don't have enough minerals, um, then the, the dentineal flow can stagnate or actually reverse. And when it reverses, the tooth becomes like a straw and then it sucks into the tooth from the mouth, bacteria and fungus. Oh. And that's the genesis of a cavity. Okay. Wow. Okay. I just, I hope everybody had their pen and paper out for that part right there. Huge. Very, 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 very important to understand. And um, I I love what you said about getting out of our own way, because that's typically what we need to be doing 90% of the time, I feel like, in regards to our health. It has nothing in that. That comes into fold with the idea of domestication and that, again, uh, civilization has really gotten in the way of our evolution and our true human strength, unfortunately. But um, yeah, that's, that's extremely important for people to understand to the dentineal lymphatic flow and that, uh, wow. Okay. That, and that's just a really, really important piece. And that was one of the most important pieces that I heard from the podcast that you did with Daniel as well, too, that I just wanted to be sure that it was emphasized for people to understand that. Yeah. I call that the invisible toothbrush. And that was, that was a neat find because 
you know, there was a split in the forties too with, uh, with the dental association. So there was, there was thought that, that for sure the teeth are systemically related to the whole body. And then there was this acidogenic theory that it was just like what was hitting the surface of the teeth. Hmm. And then in the, in the forties they met and they decided that it was going to be the acidogenic theory. And that's what we're left with today. Um, and then research came out later. So how I came upon this was because I was reading every single thing I could yeah. find. And Hal Huggins, I was reading his book. So he's a dentist. And he was the first to really warn us about mercury in 1963. Mm. But it's still, oh. we're still learning about it. Um, yeah. And he had one book called Why Raise Ugly Kids. And there wasn't, the whole <laughs> thing wasn't about teeth. But there was a few key chapters on teeth. And in there, in one, on one page, he talked about meeting Dr. Ralph Steinman at Loma Linda University and how he had his whole dental school knowledge just like erased from his brain. I think he even said it was like sandcastles being like washed away on the beach. Hmm. And um, so I just from there, I studied everything I could find about Steinman. Um, but there wasn't too much being published. But the, the great thing is between my self-published book and my actual published book, mm-hmm. a whole thing came up on his work, which was a collection of all of his hundreds of, of um, studies that he did, oh, wow. proving this theory. Yeah. Uh, like he did hundreds and hundreds and it just showed that he used a, you know, dent, uh, x-ray dye to show the movement of the dentineal lymph fluid. Oh. And then after several years, he was like, but how, you know, what's the switch for this in the body? So he teamed up with the endocrinologist, John, John Leonora, and then they found that it was, of course, like everything in the body, it all goes back to the hypothalamus, but which mm. then, you know, does the switches with the parotid glands, which are the glands in our mouth. And then those send out you know, the communication molecules, blah, blah, blah. So then, yeah, I mean, know, j- just, whole cycle. yeah, just so you're aware, I'm fascinated. You could talk science to me all day. <laughs> you don't have to feel like you need to speed it up at all. I'm okay. <laughs> fully in tune. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, the audience, they geek out on that kind of stuff. So yeah, awesome. it, it, if, if you're excited about it, I guarantee you they are. And, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's great. And it's important to understand. And I just did an interview with a gentleman who was, um, and, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth on this theory as well, too. But uh, his name is Dr. John Duyard. And he, um, in 2013, he had the world, uh, the North American, number one North American wellness spa. And he wrote a book recently called Eat Wheat, How to Safely Reintroduce Wheat and Dairy Back into Your Diet. And he has Oh, yeah, this, I have that book. I haven't read it yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe, you know, maybe you want to check out um, the podcast episode that I did with him just to yeah. kind of prime yourself on that. But, you know, he has an idea that you want to kind of reintroduce. First, you want to take care of the lymphatic system. That's the number one thing that he says that you should be doing is actually flushing and detoxing the lymphatic system because the lymph is actually in your brain. And if it's not detoxing, you're basically congesting yourself in basically two areas, your stomach, which is causing, um, you know, accumulation of fat around the mid midsection. And then you're also getting around, I didn't know this previously, but three pounds of toxic waste is eliminated from your brain through the lymphatic system every year. And so he says without that, yeah. And so there's a huge amount of information. Is it also called the glymphatic system or something you know, he when it's call, part of the brain? He didn't call it the glymphatic system. However, okay. I'm not going to say that it's not. Um, and it, it was just very, very interesting to me. And it's important to understand that, you know, 
I think there was even a study a little while ago where they were saying that people who flossed their teeth had a longer life expectancy than those who didn't. So it just kind of, it just kind of, you know, bleeds into the idea that, you know, the more that we take care of ourselves, the more that we, we understand about ourselves, the better we can take care of ourselves and the longer we can live. And, you know, I'm always noticing people around me now with extremely dry skin. I don't know, like, almost to the point of eczema or like an autoimmune condition where even on their legs or, you know, for me, sometimes, you know, I can get some flare ups, but, uh, I noticed that was a lot because I was using regular soaps and I wasn't understanding mm-hmm. that there was this kind of whole nother world on top of my skin. And there was an acid mantle and all this other good stuff. Do, do you, mm-hmm. uh, is there any way that you could talk about how maybe we should be taking care of, uh, of our skin? Oh, I sure can. <laughs> I could probably talk to you about that for about five hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. So in, in my book, uh, I'm so fresh because I literally just handed in my manuscript. Oh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. If, let me know how I can get my hands on a copy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It'll be, it will come out in um, October. So I'm not oh, sure okay. when uh, the printed for so the manuscript just got submitted. Um, and it's called Renegade Beauty. Oh, nice. And it's really about allowing the elements to revive and regenerate oh, yeah. uh, our beauty. And so what's key to all that, there's a chapter called uh, From the Milky Way to the Microbiome. Mm-hmm. And really just really wanting people to understand that, you know, we are of, uh, you know, the carbon that makes up the stars and the microbi- the microbes that are implanted on the planet from meteorites These all make up our bodies and our microbiome. And we've really sequestered our skin and ourselves from the elements. Um, But I actually think, you know, we're at a really cool time in history because we obviously spent eons trying to escape elements or like making them not be so life and death. Yes. And for most of the world, we're there. (laughs) You know, we... Mm -hmm. We have homes, we have shelters and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I really think like now we have all the safety we need to really explore the elements in a way where, you know, we don't have to go over the edge with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so all the elements, of course, are also key to having a happy microbiome on our skin because our skin needs to breathe. It has a respiration cycle. It needs pure water. It needs sunshine. The microbiome needs sunshine. Our skin needs some sunshine. Mm. It produces the water form, the water soluble form of D3 that is created in no other way except for that skin and sun contact. We have, thousands of vitamin D receptors all over our body and in places where the sun doesn't shine that take that dilate to the sun's rays and then make all the juicy stuff like cholesterol sulfate, the, the hormone slash not vitamin, vitamin, vitamin D3, um, all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff is anti-aging and is great for our skin. And now we've replaced all that with like spray on tans chemical like chemicals to get rid of acne yeah like like what is this doing like you know when i when i go to the store and i i go through the body care section you know it's just number one i can only be there for a minute or two without leaving because of the smell (laughs) like like we were mentioning and then number two uh if i ever have to use one in a pinch or anything like that i i i never use it on my whole body but um i notice you know that's just the the common theme with everybody. That's just the way you grow up. Oh yeah. You put soap on your body. That's just how it goes. But what is that actually doing to our skin? 
So especially, I mean, especially when we think of the face, because I, I think that's where people have the most concern. Mm -hmm. And so studies now show that these surfactants, they get lodged into the stratum corneum and the stratum corneum is the top layer of the epidermis. So the epidermis is, is thin. It's only one cell thick. So it's thin and it's like the size of um, the side of a credit card. So it's that thin, maybe even thinner. And in that thinness is uh, four layers, five in some areas, but you got four to five skin layers in that tiny layer. And so the top, top layer of those layers is the stratum corneum and they get lodged in and they stay there. And they also have these microbiome mapping kind of special photography. I'm not sure what it is. It kind of looks like curulin, but it isn't. It's just like taking, so they ask people to not to just do what they normally do and then not shower or rinse for four days. And then okay. four days later, they're taking an image scan of their body. Actually kind of looks like thermography in a way too. Okay. Um, and there, you, you just see all the residue on their body from the sunblock, from the shampoo surfactants, from the soap surfactants hmm. After all four days. over their body. Yeah. And, but then that's like, but it's still, it lasts for, and then we do, but we do it every day. So our pores are just filled with these surfactants oh, wow. you know whether it's your mild health food store foaming cleanser to dial soap we are lodging these and that's totally messing with the microbiome and creating a vicious cycle for so many now that cycle that it's creating is going to be different for for many different people right for some it could just um it could be um aggravating their melasma um, or their um, rosacea mm -hmm. or their eczema. For some, it could be really aggravating their acne. And, you know, we've got this real thing where, especially with acne, it's just like scrub, scrub, oh, exfoliate, don't even get me started. put chemicals on it. And it's so not the way because the studies show that they dissolve our skin's natural ceramides, enzymes, and hydrolipid barrier. And then, you know, every, not every ad, but you, then you hear about the, the solution so it'd be like ceramide serum by whoever yeah and like, you so then you're supposed your to replace out all crazy like right and then just replace it with then petroleum based <laughs> polymer based ceramide yeah, which then clogs the pores doesn't allow your skin to breathe causes a host of other it's just like this huge cascade effect like how like yeah it creates uh, dull dry skin it mutates the microbiomes it's essentially exterminating the top layer of our skin and the first responders in our microbiome, they can't respond to it effectively. And it's, so it's basically like venturing into the world with like your front door open while yeah. you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like having um, uh, an unsurfaced tile. <laughs> You know? yes. Like yeah. if you think about it, you know, it hasn't been sealed and thus, you know, anything that gets on top of that can just get compounded right into it. So, man, yeah. yeah. And and so in, in one of the first things for me also going back to that health food store, which was so transformative for me. Um, one of the first things for me, and I had terrible acne and I would do everything that I could do to combat it. And it was all the typical things you could think of from going to my doctor, getting a prescription or going to the store and picking up some uh, Neutrogena face wash, you know? And then I would yeah. notice um, the strange thing is I would use this. It would dry out my skin and I had oily skin. I would dry out my skin for a very, very short period, like maybe an hour or two. And then yeah. afterwards I would be so oily 
I mean, it would just oh, cause wow. so, and it was weird because, I, you know, I spoke to some of the women in the body care. I worked in the vitamin yeah. department. And what did they tell me? They said, James, it's because you need to be adding more oil to your skin, not drying it out. And I didn't quite understand that. But if you think about it, it's kind of like you're taking something away from your body. Your body is wanting to produce more of it. And I wasn't understanding mm-hmm. that at first until they had introduced me to quite literally my favorite body care product of all time, which is jojoba oil. Yes. Jojoba is amazing. Yeah. And um, do, do you have anything to say about that? I love jojoba. It's like the main, it's our, one of our main oils and uh, it's rare. I mean, it's, it's widely used, but it's, you know, it's often like bleached and deodorized and all that, but it is, even in natural skincare, it's, it's not used as much because it's the most expensive. Well, um, and why is it so oil. expensive? Um, and it's gotten more and more expensive over the last like four years because there's been drought issues and that kind of stuff. So oh, okay, it's actually, yeah. it's been hard to get. Because that's a North America. That's a, that's, um, yeah, that's typically here, right? Yeah. North American product. Yeah. California, Arizona are, are great growers, lots of organic available. Um, but the thing that's so neat about it is that it's actually a liquid plant wax. Mm-hmm. So it's stability because you never want to be applying rancid oils to your skin. So things like grapeseed, peach kernel, um, almond, they're, they're often adulterated with another kind of oil, like kind of the story of like olive oil. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they they go rancid so quickly that really after it's been at a store and then you get it home. It's already it's, rancid. Yeah. Yeah. And grapeseed is actually like if it wasn't uh, processed with solvents, it would be so dark and goopy. Oh. So it's usually not or it's got other things going on with it as well. And then there's ethical issues with the harvesting of argon oil. And it's but it's still not as great as jojoba. So besides that, jojoba is so stable. It's also the closest to our sebum, mm-hmm. and it's able to dissolve uh, impact what's in impacted pores, and it really can harmonize this the skin. And so we recommend really we only we don't have any soap products for the face or anything like that, um, but we do. Um, promote our our best skin evers which we talk about but you can use jojoba too or olive oil as long as you know that it's a real olive oil and you just simply you can massage it you can wet your face you can put a warm cloth on your face first and then you can massage in the oil and then remove it with the warm wet cloth or you can um take a hot cloth put it on your face and then just take a squirt of jojoba or the best skin ever put on your face cloth and then rub that over your face and then you can just take another part of the cloth and then remove it. And then you just take another squirt and put it on your face as your moisturizer and you're done. And then it's amazing because people with like that have had cystic acne for like 10, 20 years and obviously tried everything. They have results in like one or two days. Wow. It's so great to hear, especially since they've been through so much. And of course I, I think diet is very key for skin disorders. But what I love is that many people do this and they didn't have to change their diet, which is so cool. Now, yeah. some people, they do. They find, okay, I have to switch how I'm washing my face and eliminate soy, you know, or there's different things. And then some people, although it is rare, they actually, and it, but it's understandable, they have to go through a detox period. And who knows if it's because of what they were using before. Yeah. I personally um, recommend most people going through at least in the beginning, uh, you know, a transition period of detoxing, most definitely. 
Yeah, but I mean, like their skin will literally detox. Oh, when, oh okay. Right? Yeah, so they're tr- they're like, oh, and then they might get like it might get worse before it gets better. Yeah, which is, but it's rare, and I'm still surprised about that because if you think about what we've been doing to our skin. It's just so crazy, but it is such a simple, soft, loving way to transition to like, it's so gentle. And then it's just about finding the right oil. So pretty much jojoba is a winner for like a hundred percent of the population. For some people, you know, coconut oil is the best ever. Um, but there is a, a small percentage of the population, like what from what sort of from looking at our population that buy from us like just one or two percent they just can't put coconut oil on their face for example oh, so I never, sometimes i never some put people, it on my face i never put the coconut i find that it's a little too viscous it's a little too thick for my face exactly uh-huh. i used to use it for my body but then i noticed that um it was clogging my pores and i was kind of breaking out from from the uh, coconut oil Personally, that was a, a, yeah. an experience that I have. I don't know if any other of the listeners have that problem, but for me, I use almost exclusively jojoba oil on my skin, on my face. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. And to that, then you can add some fun other oils, like a rosehip or just something that's really concentrated, tamanu or sandalwood nut oil, mm. just to bring in those extra, extra lipids. Um, and then sandalwood when we- in my beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And yeah. I was saying before about the oils being botanical biotics mm. because it's so fascinating. So we have all this historical um, use and understanding and, you know, how frankincense, mastic, cardamom, cinnamon, those oils have, you know, had a long history in oral care use. There's, you know, rose and frankincense have had a long history in skincare use. But now what we are understanding through the scientific research and in especially in the area of trying to find quorum sensing inhibitors mm. um which are so in our bodies we have the beneficial bacteria and the plankton i mean and the pathogenic bacteria mm-hmm. which normally is sort of free-floating like plankton okay but when the p- pathogens grow in numbers and then they're able to communicate and then start hanging out in groups the way that they communicate to corral each other is through something called quorum sensing. And so scientists are trying to find things that inhibit quorum sensing um, because then that would also create different solutions to antibiotics. Yeah. And so what they're discovering is then obviously every essential oil is different. They are all antifungal, antiviral, anti-inflammatory and a, a bunch of other antis, but there are to varying degrees like clove is more antibacterial than um sea buckthorn mm-hmm. but sea buckthorn is also antibacterial in different ways so that's also when we talked about how every oil has like hundreds of components yeah. that's the whole magic going on there and so what they've discovered is that essential oils are very effective at inhibiting the quorum sensing at inhibiting the gene regulation mm. and gene expression of the plankton i mean of the pa- no i got i got exactly what yeah. you're saying yeah <laughs> and they're able to bust through biofilms which even the, you know even in an example of oral care antibiotics cannot bust through um and and biofilm just for people who are listening is that kind of it's plaque it's yeah, essentially it's, plaque. it's the plaque that builds up on your teeth and then and that can be in other areas of the body too if you think of like heart issues and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so the essential oils so the great again through that intelligence that we you know 
we can only guess at all the amazingness of nature and the golden mean and the Fibonacci spirals. And right. we're hardly you know, scratching the surface. Yeah, totally. And we're it's just, it's like in awe. And so essential oils have the intelligence where they can, um, clean up the pathogenic bacteria, but work with the friendly bacteria in a way that doesn't harm them because that's also what they do for the plant. So they are oh, the best. There we go. Because you can totally take care of the skin in our, I mean, yeah, this, the microbiome on our skin, in our guts and in our mouths in very effective ways because Using essential oils. Yeah. That they're, you know, they are anti-inflammatory so they can help cool things down yeah. or rashes or itch or inflammation. And they also have um, the ability to inhibit the enzymes that eat away at our collagen and elastin. They're able mm. to stimulate the lymph system, which then helps, you know, carry things away, like carry away toxins and right. on and on and on. So when you add something like that to the jojoba, then, you know, you got a party for your skin. Is there... Is there like a routine that people can follow? Uh, I know that we're getting close to time and I want to be respectful of that, but is there like a a body care routine that you recommend to most people if they're looking to transition into something more holistic? Do you have any advice for people who want to kind of dip their toe into the water and experiment with some of these? Is there any yeah. parting advice you might give to somebody who wants to up their game as far as their their oral and just body hygiene? For sure. And again, we in a general way, we can think about the stop seal and seed. So mm -hmm. for skincare, stop showering in chlorine, stop showering with soap, stop using chemicals on your skin just today now. <laughs> and then just like just I'm simply throwing go, away that alum rock, guys. Yes. <laughs> Take action. And then, you know, you do need a soap. Um, we I'm so excited. It's taken like about a year to get this rolling, but we have a clay soap coming out. It's oh, a natural bar soap. It's coming out in like a week or something. Um, but that like, so then you can scrub your nails with that or just like, you know, a natural bar soap is easy to find often at a farmer's market. There's, you know, some sweet family making soap or something. So yeah, go some, with that, go with milk. natural. <laughs> yeah. And then you can, um, you know, if you got the sandalwood in your pits, you don't need to wash your pits every day. Yeah, can um, you talk about that real quick? That was um, something that I was interested in, something specific to sandalwood, right? Yeah, so the sandalwood's great. It has the viscosity, and all of our poetic pit deodorants are sandalwood-based, and then we add in other oils just to, like, make it unique. Amazing each one. smelling. Yeah, like, so amazing. And uh, for most people, fine. It lasts them until they shower again. So for some people... I mean, you may reapply the next day, but you don't necessarily need to. So it lasts them until their next bath or shower. Oh, you know, you good. can bathe and shower, but not, you're not going to soap your whole body ever. Just pits, bits, and nails. Like you're scrubbing <laughs> nails. Okay, and yeah. Pits, bits, and nails. Dirty. I like that. Yeah, and that's it. So enjoy your showers and your baths, but just you're not going to be soaping. And then you want to even try and wash your hair less and less. Mm -hmm. I've heard apple uh, cider vinegar is actually pretty good for that. Yeah. And sometimes you might need a baking soda. Also, if you're switching, transitioning shampoos, mm -hmm. uh, it's good to when you're moving to more natural one, you add a bit of baking soda to the first few washings and it helps to lift a lot of the surfactants and polymers and goop out of your scalp. And, uh, and then washing your face and body with oil, the same thing that you do with your, um, how you squirt oil on the, uh, warm water patch on a face cloth. You can do that all over your body before, or after your bath, you could dry brush before, have a shower bath, and then you just take the oil on a cloth and you just 
kind of massage that all over your body and you'll have the softest skin for somebody for somebody that has eczema or something i mean a lot of the issue could just be showering with the chlorine and yeah, you just need so, a simple water filter yeah shower head filter or something like that that you can pick up um i've even <laughs> believe it or not i've um so i you know uh, find a spring thank mm-hmm. you daniel for that i I just use, I bring a bucket of water, of spring water into the shower with me. And it's just cold. It's just what, it's lukewarm actually, but it, I just use that. And that I'm doing that right now only because the shower filter, I just haven't gotten a new one. <laughs> but you can pick those up at Home yeah. Depot or anything like that. You can find a shower filter at your your local health food store at Sprouts or Whole Foods or anything like that as well too. But, you know, I found it, you know, to save water. As a matter of fact, I just fill up a little thing of water, um, considering I'm not washing my whole body, mind you, you know, I'm. I'm just using a little bit of spring water and mm-hmm. I just, you know, splash a little bit here, a little bit there, and then I'm done. And nobody's the wiser. Yes. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. When I go to a conference or something, I don't shower because we're in, I mean, we, cause even with the shower filter, the water just seems so gross to me. So I just have a <laughs> bottle of spring water and go. I just do like my own version of a shower. And yeah. I do recommend that too. If you just can't, get away from your water situation, then just buy, you know, a bottle of spring water in a glass bottle and have that for your face at least. So you're just washing your face with that and that's going to last a while. Yeah. I think for most people is what it is, you know, for a long time, the most difficult part about it was that I just really enjoyed my showers. It was like one of the only times where, I just wasn't bombarded by the technology or the people trying to get at me or anything like that, where I could just (laughs) relax in some warm water. But now, you know, through all these practices that I do, I'm realizing that it was so backwards, you know, like, no, you shouldn't be in the water for too long. It's opening up the pores. You could be inhaling all the vapor and all the the numerous chemicals that are in the water that your your body is absorbing. And then on top of that, all the things I was putting onto my body, in my body, it just, man, I, it's just been such an amazing journey. And I'm so grateful to have people on like yourself, Nadine, that can really shed some light and and somebody who's really, like you said, just read every book on the subject that really shows their passion for their work. And honestly, we need more people who are creators and makers and less consumers and takers. Before we go though, there's a topic that I see thrown around a lot. And I think you might be able to dispel this for people. Do you put Mm -hmm. essential oils in water? Like, do you drink essential oils? I've actually, that's a big thing that I've, I've seen a lot of people arguing about online, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I have a, a buddy, Ben Greenfield, who puts, um, like, let's say, lemon in his water, uh, essential oil of lemon in his water. But then I keep seeing people online saying, because of these many compounds that we are unaware of, and they're so potent, we shouldn't be ingesting these at all. What do you have to say about that? Well, I wouldn't just say I put essential oils in water or not, because it all depends on the quality. Mm, Okay. Like that is the bottom line. And there are more not real essential oils on the market than real. Right. Okay. So if, if we're talking about my essential oils and there's a, a handful of real companies out there, but they're usually not the ones that are the loudest. Mm. And, um, and there's a lot of articles about that online. There's a lot of people that have sent, you know, oils off for third-party testing and they come back with, because it's the market and the making of fake essential oils is much more huge and profitable than real authentic distillations of essential oils. So there's that to think about. There's also uh, the FDA, because essential oils have been used in the food and flavor industry 
since before we were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are used in the food and flavor industry. And um, there are 56 or so oils that the FDA considers to be grass, which is generally recognized as safe. Well, I did not aware of that. Yeah, and they have a list. So that's one thing you can start with. Um, and then the other thing is too, is like, yeah, lemon, the zest of lemon makes the essential oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So we've been eating the zest, right? Yeah. So if it's a real genuine and for sure lemon, you want organic because a lot of the pesticides would be in the peel. Frankincense, we've been chewing it. We've been swallowing it. You know, we've extracted it. There's a lot of essential oils that we do know all about. There are many components and we do know about okay. them in the body. So um, I do have an article on our website about the culinary use of essential oils. So oh, it's perfect. just something you have to, you know, and it's, they're great to cook with. And they have been used for like uh, forever too. Again, like vanilla, you know, the, the extract of vanilla. I mean, the whole thing with alcohol and everything makes it then not real. But um you know, all these things have been used culinary for a long time. And those are the ones that are generally recognized as safe. And it's so fun to make a dessert or put it in honey. And if you, the thing is though, with the oil, oil the essential oil and the water don't mix. So I think that's where some people's concern comes from. Okay. And um, so generally if you're using it in food, like if you want to add it to tea, you would mix the oil with the honey and then mix the honey and the oil in the tea. And then you've got a better mix. Right. So and there's some you would never ingest internally without them being diluted like oregano, the oregano oh that you goodness. buy in the store is a 3% in olive oil. The one that you buy for colds and that kind of stuff. So you can yeah. make that at home with your own pure oregano oil and then um, olive oil and just do 3%. And then you can add that to things like salad dressing. Um, and again, clove has been used internally forever. But if you put that in a glass of water and they, they're not mixing properly because the oil and the water don't mix because they're volatile oils, mm-hmm. then you will be, you know, then you're kind of burning the mucous membrane in your throat, oh, especially right. if it's also not a real one. So that, those are, that's why you don't want to just say a blanket statement. Okay. Um, but then there's a whole area too of like French uh, aroma medicine where doctors are doing amazing things with essential oils like IVs, injections, suppositories. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't I, aware of yeah, that too. Okay. The scope and, is wide, but again, we have to be, um, responsible in our use and we have to use real oils. Yeah. Quality, quality, quality over yes. quantity for sure. And that's, uh, you know, something we're constantly talking about is buying less, but buying better. Yeah. Discernment. Yeah. Well, Nadine, thank you. This has been an amazing conversation. And that actually concludes another episode of Ancestral Health Radio. I'm James the Hairless Ape Broderick signing out with Nadine Artemis of Living Libations. Thank you again for joining us on today's episode of Ancestral Health Radio. And remember, guys, take a walk on the wild side. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating and review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network, or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, Remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at ancestralhealthradio.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. Thank you.